This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm not exactly sure where the saying comes from. Maybe it was the marketing commercial. Maybe it was in existence for a good decade and it was well-earned. But the old saying that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas does not stand here on Cardinals Underground. Do you get that, Danny Sarek, who's just back from Vegas and the Pro Bowl, Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban. Right now, Darren, here's a cold beverage. I'll take one myself. Here's a bag of chips. Uh, We're going to start. Just put your feet up because Danny has stories to tell from a good four or five days at the Pro Bowl in Vegas. Go. It was five long days. Uh, You stand corrected because some things do stay in Vegas, Paul. But things. You didn't. I didn't. You're right. Yeah, yeah, Not when you're a professional storyteller and you were on the NFL's dime, and this is an official NFL podcast, <laughs> you are required and contractually obligated to tell. We, I can talk to you about the interviews at practice, talking <laughs> to the players, okay. yeah. where we went to eat. Okay. There was no bail money provided, right, Darren? You didn't approve any where, sort of where expense was the, report. What, a, what clubs did you guys hit on Saturday night? What? I'm sorry, what? I'm just going to shake my just head and sh- keep my mouth shut. It was the smile, though, before the shaking of the head <laughs> that, that really set it all that, that you can't see here Audio on Cardinals Underground. Only. So there you go. Okay, there is a story to tell. Maybe we'll get it by the end of the podcast. <laughs> Not exactly sure. It was, wa- the, it was the glitterati of the yeah. digital uh, digital team here that were in Vegas, <laughs> so I can only imagine what you guys were all doing. Yeah. I'm like Tom Brady, and I respect this stat. He did not participate in the final 13 Pro Bowls for which he was selected. <laughs> did he, is that what? true? That's a real stat. He hasn't been. Oh, my God. He hasn't actually <laughs> played in a Pro Bowl since 2005, maybe 2007, <laughs> if you do the math. That's the last awesome. 13 Pro Bowls for which he was selected, he didn't show. Not at all. Unlike our own Danny Sarek, who was there. And so, Dan, what you make of the Pro Bowl, by the way? Because I watched all of the second quarter, and I saw two guys hit the ground. I saw two guys hit the ground. I saw Hunter Renfro hit the ground, primarily because he's my size and weight, and somebody was trying to hold him up, and he still hit the ground. And then number two, I saw Patrick Mahomes, the final player of the first half, go down. Micah Parsons, apparently the rookie was not aware of protocols and regulations (laughs) of the Pro Bowl, and it was probably the only thing that got Andy Reid off his couch and got him to put the bag of chips was when his quarterback went down at the very end of the first half. Other than that, I, I mean, come on. Every whistle was blown the moment two-hand touch was initiated. It was about as exciting in person from the press box as you could imagine <laughs> from what you guys saw from your couch. I uh, bet. Yeah. I mean, the, the rest of it, practices were fun. Um, unfortunately, we were not at the skills challenge uh, because just with protocols and 
The Cardinals didn't have anybody participating in that. Practices were fun. You know, the further you got into the weekend, the more that the ballpark where they were were filled with fans, and that was a really fun environment. And then the game, I mean, I will say Allegiant Stadium was cool. We got a chance to kind of walk around the concourse and take a peek at that, and I'm pretty sure – are they? They're on our schedule. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I'm pretty and sure actually, the Super Bowl is there after us. Is that the yeah, right year? If, maybe. I I know the Cardinals were supposed to open the building if the preseason hadn't been canceled in 2020. The Cardinals would have been the first team to play there against the Raiders to open the preseason, but obviously that got wiped out. So. And in April, the draft is in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Darren, you're looking at me. I'm going to that now, right? I'm going to the draft. Am I covering the draft? I might still be recovering by the draft. <laughs> it's in funny. I was, it, was supposed to be, it was supposed to be in uh, 2020. It was supposed to be in Vegas, the draft was. And the, I was actually supposed to attend. That kind of fell through. Me too. Wouldn't that have been crazy? Now look at us. <laughs> <laughs> Partners in crime. Yeah, as our Jim Omohunter just uh, pointed out, see, it is tis the season tax season. There's no state tax in Nevada. So any sort of road trips taken to Nevada, you won't be taxed accordingly for earning hey, your wage to know. over that. So there you go. That's always the bonus, uh, you know, as if uh, you're not going to leave other money behind in Vegas <laughs> in other ways, put it that way. You're a big gambler, aren't you, Paul? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, did you happen to see anyone wearing the Joe Burrow sunglasses in Vegas? Are, are you guys aware that apparently, as long as we're taking care of some of the fluff stuff off the top, the Joe Burrow sunglasses apparently are all the rage now. Those think, remind think, me of those the, gonna, the color glasses I used to wear when I was in elementary school. You got from like a Claire's or something. I didn't see anyone rocking those, but she I definitely. Those? He did. Ha- they weren't like that, but now that you say that <laughs> uh, on our social team, uh, yeah, he did have similar glasses, which is like very him. But the, the glasses that Joe Burrow has yeah. been wearing, I had an I identical pair, except mine had a few little rhinestones up in the corner. Wow. So mine were a little fancier. Wow. Interesting. How, how old okay. were you? Oh, probably seven or eight. Okay, there we go. The trends are coming back. Because there is a $10 version. Maybe it's on sale at Claire's. I'm not exactly sure. That, <laughs> that, that is all the rage in Cincinnati. All the kids are wearing this, apparently, in, in, in Cincinnati. But I, I just love some of the pictures of Joe Burrow. And, and somebody tweeted out a picture of him rocking those sunglasses, and they put in there, Cincinnati, you're going to be relevant for the next decade. Dude is a killer. <laughs> End tweet of Joe Burrow. And we'll get into the Super Bowl here in a little bit. But, I mean, just, just the what he is doing – for the Natty right now and for the Bengals. In fact, I'll just take a quick poll here off the top. Does anybody believe that Joe Burrow cannot deliver a win in Super Bowl 56 on Sunday? Uh, you guys are so believers. So are you, are you, are you, you asking are believers can he jo- or will he? he? Can he? Can oh, he absolutely. Personally, can yes. He, yes. I think we, but if you're going to talk about the team, it's that offensive line against the Rams defensive line that makes me a little hesitant. But Joe Burrow individually, I, w- I could see him pulling out a win. I mean, the guy survived nine sacks earlier in the playoffs and still came away with a win against the Titans, right? Yeah. I mean, if it's about playing your best on the biggest stage in the biggest moment, my money's on Joe Burrow versus Matthew Stafford. How many times has Matthew Stafford got to win a playoff game for you, Paul? I guess so. You're right. He's already won more playoff games than his former team, the Lions, have won since they won the NFL title in 57. So there is that, you know, the old Bobby Lane NFL championship. So there. by the way, uh, can I just say, can I actually take issue with a Pro Bowl MVP in that Desert Mountain High School alum Mark Andrews got ripped off? How was he not the MVP with his two touchdown catches? Mark Andrews as a tight end, two touchdown catches? I mean, you should be the MVP of the game. Every single quarterback threw an interception. I mean, I, I just I didn't understand that. I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> I had no vote. There, there's no opinion from I, Darren I, on that I, one. I did watch the yeah. game, so yeah. I – 
I don't know. Yeah, if you watch the game, uh, let's just put it this way. Guys were wearing pads. Nobody really needed pads. I mean, I think we've all been in Black Friday sales at Best Buy and where the aisles were more physical than the Pro oh Bowl. Gosh. Let's just put it that way, okay? It's probably fair. J.J. Watt noted it on Twitter. You saw that, right? <laughs> That's right. That's I get right. it. Guys don't want to yeah. get hurt. You're coming off a season. But, yeah, it was – it could have used a little more excitement. Our Jim Omohundro was just in a mosh pit at a Tool concert that was much more physical than the Pro Bowl, so I'll just uh, throw it out that way. So, by the way, neither Pro Bowl punter got to play in the game. You're, you're that AJ Cole, the Raiders punter, who was the Pro Bowl punter. Apparently, Mike Vrabel told him earlier in the week, "Yeah, you're not playing." So uh, he said he just ate a couple of hot dogs at halftime. He said he was quote there for moral support. None of the kickers. Quote. They all kept going for yeah. two point conversions. So there you go. As uh, you know, he said he was passing out waters and high fives in that order. So there you go. <laughs> and then shortly after the Pro Bowl, we got the drama that the Pro Bowl was lacking. <laughs> did we not? Yeah, I guess we did. Build the tea, Paul. There's the segue as I go ahead and hand the football uh, and, and and I hand. That smoking gun to uh, to Darren Urban, is it or is it not? I mean, what do you make of the social media status of one Kyler Murray? And, and and Danny, maybe you can help us out with the whole, you know. Okay, I've heard that people fairly regularly will reset an Instagram account, especially maybe if you're at the end of a season and you're starting anew. Okay, I get it uh but you know what does it mean kyla murray his maneuvers with his social media account and then does it mean what does it mean that he hasn't clarified what he did in the because in the absence of an explanation you get the speculation and that tends to be uh let's just say more substantive than the initial act in some ways i mean for for me getting it out right out front that I don't know. I have not talked to Kyler. Um, My guess is Kyler hasn't talked to many people about this, so I don't know what this is about. And I understand why people are going to speculate, and it's just for exactly what you just talked about, Paul, which is in the absence of an explanation, people are going to wonder. And I think that's fair. Um, I, I don't know if it has anything to do with anything. And, you know, I, he he made a. I'm trying to remember exactly what the circumstances were. I remember him posting the uh, the Thanos gif in the middle of the season, right before he came back, and people were all trying to figure out exactly what that meant. But he never really explained it, and I'm guessing Kyler probably isn't going to explain this. And you know, I I tend to come from the camp. I'm like, okay, if if this is truly all about the cardinals why would you wipe out everything on your instagram account your dogs your family your you know your your what you wear for clothes and you know you love that stuff so that's that's where i just hesitate where i'm like okay this is this all really about the cardinals if you're gonna wipe everything out i i just that that's where i get a little hung up on I think, too, it's not like Kyler Murray is a pending free agent or something of that yeah, matter. I, to, to some true. degree, I feel like and maybe it's just because it's, it's the offseason or because he's a quarterback, so he's well-known around the league of, are we making something out of nothing? I mean, could this just be as simple as wanting to rebrand? And you, you can archive Instagram posts, which means you basically hide them from your account without permanently deleting them. So wouldn't that be the prank of the century of just – Right before training camp, Kyler Murray puts all of his Instagram posts back on his feed. I mean, I don't know. I just 
again, it was not just Cardinal stuff. And I'm not sure we'll ever get an explanation because Kyler Murray is more of an introvert. He's not the kind well, of player who's necessarily very active on social media or anything like that to begin with. We won't get an uh, – we may not get a straight explanation from him as we all sit around here, but eventually he's going to end up in front of a microphone and there's a chance somebody will ask him. Now, if he doesn't end up in front of, in an interview until weeks and weeks from now – then maybe it won't be asked, but it still might be. And so, yeah, there will be an explanation eventually. Now, he may chuckle it off. It was nothing. I don't know why everybody makes such a big deal about it. Or maybe not. I don't know. I mean, again, he's got a lot of power here in terms of, well, we all know what power he has just by doing this one thing without explanation. <laughs> what 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 a crap storm he's kind of generated. And And let's face it, part of it is where we are in the season the pro bowl is now over you're down to a super bowl that it's still kind of cool but for for me super bowl wise uh i feel like it actually hurt uh with the there being a week off between the game i feel like there's not a it'll it'll speed up over the weekend but i feel like i feel like the super bowl has really got lost in the shuffle here in terms of like people talking about the game, so people are looking for something interesting, and yeah, it's right up there on the TV right now with an interesting Joe Pesci picture over Kyla Murray's face. That's interesting. But anyways, I'd love to know how that's going. Um, but anyway, so I, you know, I don't know. Obviously, look, the facts are these. The facts are that he is eligible for an extension right now. So could that play into it? I don't know. Again, all this is I don't know, and anybody. Uh, the speculation, I understand why people are going to do it. Anybody saying they know for sure what's going on, i that's not true. It's just not true. We know what he did. We know there is an absence of an explanation. He could shoot it down. He could clarify. He's done neither. So in the interim, it becomes the modern-day inkblot test. Everybody looks at Rorschach. it and has yeah. their own translation and interpretation. And you're right, Darren. As we speak, that is the question on this Jalen Jacoby show, which is now makes it every single ESPN platform during the day. I've seen it. I saw it on Get Up. I saw it on First Take. Well, what else are they going to talk being about? Debated. Right now. You know, there's that, and then the Tom Brady comments. Ben oh. Simmons, Ben Simmons, yeah. and James Harden aren't being traded. So what else are they going to talk about? <laughs> so there. By the way, some Suns questions made it into the mailbag this week. There you go. You know, it's the NBA trade deadline. It is the yeah. season when some Suns questions made it into the mailbag. Well, okay. you know, I like talking Suns number go. one and number two. I, I I can't I I can only answer probably one version of what happened to the Cardinals down the stretch, even though I get ten of them a week. That's right. Here's my last word on this whole Kyler Murray thing. Maybe just maybe he took the advice from Joe Burrows. We circle back to uh, you know Joe Cool here. Did you see he was asked recently for what advice he would give young athletes? Did you see his quote? I did. I really liked it. Yeah. Focus on getting better, he said. Don't have a workout and then post it on Instagram the next day and go sit on your butt the next four days and everyone thinks you're working hard, but you're really not. Joe Burrow went on and said, work in silence. Don't show everybody what you're doing. Let your performance on Friday nights and Saturday nights and Sundays show all the hard work you put in. Don't worry about all that social media stuff. So maybe Kyler Murray is taking Joe Burrow's advice. There Does you Joe go. Does Joe Burrow okay. know that's, something we don't? That's okay. my working theory. I, I'm I'm just gonna call a little bit of a timeout. It's a great comment, and there's nobody hotter than Joe Burrow right now. But I I don't see Joe Burrow turning down the idea of putting on social media of him smoking a cigar in his uniform. <laughs> well, that's because that was really cool, Darren. Okay, no. 
But like, and I understand it's not particularly a workout, but let's not act like Joe Burrow is just hiding off from social media, please. All right, so, all right, can this lead into the next question? Uh, Kyler it can. You, you're driving yeah. this show, so it right. pretty much can do whatever you want. Okay. Does Kyler take too much criticism? Are we talking in terms of things like this, or are we talking on the field? I'm talking more right now on the field. Uh, I, I mean, just in terms of the performance and the scrutiny of this past season in year number three. In fact, does a Joe Burrow in year two making the Pro Bowl and doing everything he has done with the Bengals, especially down the stretch, which has been the polar opposite of the manner in which Kyler Murray's season ended, has that maybe enhanced or heightened the criticism against Kyler Murray. Correct me if I'm wrong, Darren, in the mailbag this week, for example, there were a couple of pointed questions mm. at Kyler's yeah. expense. Were there not? Do you, yeah. do you, if I put my finger to the wind, would I sense that the vibe or the climate is changing a little bit towards the Cardinals quarterback? Well, look, I, I think personally I feel like the climate kind of changed with the whole team with the way the season ended. And and I, I think we're still feeling the reverberations of that, of – of, of how everybody felt about how the season started and how it ended. And it it, it took that specific recipe of 7-0 and and 10-2 and to how it ended. Losing 5-6. To get people this uh, upset and looking at things the way they are. And again, I don't, I don't, I understand why, why people are going to be that way. I, I don't think it takes away from, the qual- you know, it's funny. I, I looked at, um, you know, Kyler had a terrible playoff game. No one's going to argue that. He had a terrible playoff game. Worst passer rating of his career. He actually played pretty well against uh, the Seahawks and the Cowboys. If you look at his days, he had good games. So it's not like he, like, fell off a cliff down the stretch now. Did he throw a couple of interceptions against the Rams? Yes, although he almost had 400 yards passing. I know that doesn't necessarily mean everything, but that, they were in that game. He had almost 400 yards passing. He played... Uh, You're talking about the Week 14 The loss. Week 14 Monday night game. Yeah. Played poorly against the Lions. That's a given. Didn't play all that great against the Colts, but played well against the Cowboys. Played well against the Seahawks, and they didn't play well. I mean, it's not like he came back from injury. I know a couple of people are like, well, he didn't do anything after injury. That's not true. That's not true. Yeah. So I think the team fell apart. And, and as everybody always says, the quarterback, it's too much of the credit and too much of the blame. And I find we're in the, in the ladder. And they again, you've got, they've got to find some kind of happy medium there because this team is only going to go as far. I will say this. When you say too much criticism, the bottom line is, Danny, the, 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 the team only goes as far as the quarterback goes. And if the quarterback stalls out for whatever reason, even if it means you're missing some people around you and you can't raise the game because you're missing some people around you, it's still going to come down to the quarterback. And that was an example of everything you just said. All the great games Kyler had, they blew the opponents out the water and the games he didn't play well, they lost. And that's part of it. That's part of your job as the quarterback is to elevate your team. And you're right, you get all the praise and then you get all the criticism. And I think to some degree that's part of the job he signed out for as the the quarterback, the face of the franchise. You have to be willing to take that criticism. Um, And I think the way that he played for the most part and the team as a whole down the stretch, I I, I think it would be hard to argue 
why you would be getting criticism. I don't agree with the people who are saying he is not a good quarterback or all of a sudden forget the MVP. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I think he's getting too much flack when you go that far. Yes. But I think it's fair to hold him and this team accountable yeah. and, and criticize yeah. them from what we saw. In fact, it might be the best thing to happen in the offseason. If you're not going to win at all, you, may, you need a sobering wake-up call, the manner in which – because, look, it wasn't just the what that you lost in the playoffs, a miserable loss. It, it was the how. It was how it looked, how it unfolded, how certain players performed. It, it was the how much more than the what. Only one team ends up with a win to conclude a season. So you know, maybe that is a wake-up call in the offseason that, that fuels him. Because to me, and this is where I think some of the criticism is coming, he just wrapped up year number three. He's now eligible for an extension, as Darren said. But I don't think anybody expects that extension to come anytime soon. And just the fact that's a debate, I think brings some criticism because – when you have the dude at quarterback, you know it. Tampa went 12 straight years without a playoff appearance. They signed Tom Brady. They win a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, Cincinnati hadn't won a road playoff game in the existence of its franchise. They've just won two and in their first Super Bowl since 88. They have or had the dudes at quarterback. They knew it. The Cardinals don't know it yet. Maybe they do internally, but until – that player is rewarded with a Mondo contract extension, then that's not proof thereof. It leads us to only speculate as to whether they're still trying to decide if he's the guy or not. That's not even just Kyler Murray. That's that's quarterbacks we've been talking before we even started off air. Matthew Stafford up until this point. That's not just a discussion of is a quarterback worth an extension. That's throughout their entire career if you're not leading your team deep into the playoffs. Like I will say that. Like I that's something else to consider too. Think of all those talks, all those years, Matthew Stafford, and now look at him in the Super Bowl, right? And when I was in Dallas, that was always a discussion in the years with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott leading them to the playoffs and not having one. So that's not just something that you mentioned with Kyler Murray. That's yeah. every quarterback of, quote, how deserving are they of an extension if they're not taking their team to the playoffs every year? That's that's league-wide. I was on this L.A. sports radio show, right, and, and, and this snarky, and it was, got a little snarky back and forth. And I said, well, okay, you know, let's just face it, guys. Going into this game, Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford have the same number of playoff wins in their career. Zero. <laughs> Matthew Stafford is in year 13 and Kyler's in year three. Well, that, that blew up in our collective face, but your point is well taken. Until this run to the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford faced a lot of the same criticism, obviously, right? So uh, it just, once again, until there is a decision made on his long-term future, then this will persist. This will continue, in my opinion. And the particulars are that if there's no big contract extension this offseason, then the Cardinals have to decide by May, Darren, whether to pick up the contract year and the, the rookie year, the year fifth 20, year, right? Yeah, 2023. Gotcha. So there you go. And uh, and look, until Which, then. Which, by the way, if there's not an extension, they're, they're going to pick up that option. It's a guaranteed year, but they're going to pick up that option. And and it just gives you more leeway, and, and that's – that's how the contracts are set up right now. And, and again, I guess we'll have a chance whenever Kyler ends up talking to the media again, which could be a while. Um, you know, we, we'll, 
we'll have to wait and see what how this plays out without any answers probably let's talk to the person if only we had the person who just most recently interviewed oh it's danny danny sarek was there with kyler murray so he looked really engaging i mean dare i say he he looked to be in a really good mood i mean it's a great atmosphere at the pro bowl right i mean everybody seemed to be a good mood joking around messing around all the video you sent back from vegas guys you know chandler jones playing receiver for pete's sake I mean, there quarterback. Was quarterback. Yeah, he went and wanted to go up against Justin Jefferson <laughs> and then, in practice. And then Buddha was a receiver. He's playing Wildcat quarterback. I don't know. I can't keep it straight. Uh-huh. All these and then guys. they were all catching passes from Kyler Murray. And I there asked, I said, because Hump, DJ Humphreys caught a pass, Chandler Jones, Buddha Baker. And I'd ask Kyler, I was like, any of them worthy of making the switch? And he laughed and he said, uh, hell no. He said, maybe Buddha. <laughs> maybe he Buddha. goes, definitely not DJ and definitely not Chandler. <laughs> See, I want a big man touchdown out of DJ Humphreys. That would be fantastic. That, that would be good. Forget the megawatt package. you got to set up <laughs> DJ Humphreys next year. That, that's right. Speaking yeah. of that, we totally missed out. Kyle was right. J.J. Watt didn't catch pass this year. Was that the bet? Really? Was that the bet? we had a bet. Okay. Yeah, we, all, we the... said it was going to happen, and he didn't. Mm. Yeah, well. And I, I, I'm sure that Kyle would be throwing that in our face right now if he was around. You know what, Kyle? It goes for a 17-game a season. So until the 17 games expire on J.J. Watt. because he <laughs> missed, So, you know, it's going to go halfway into next season because he missed half of this season. So that's the qualifier there you in go. that, okay? Like that's it. it. So, by the way, looking into the future, um, what about the Rams? Uh, are the Rams long-term? What are we thinking in here in terms of the NFC West? Because the Niners are obviously going to face some change without Jimmy G. <laughs> Did you see the comments from Richard Sherman on Russell Wilson, oh, yeah, by the way? Uh, Richard Sherman is uh, – wow. Wait, no, I didn't see them. He said uh, on his podcast that Seattle will not be a Super Bowl contender again until they get back to defense and running the ball. And I'm quoting loosely that the Seahawks have never been close to the Super Bowl letting Russ cook and they never will be close to the Super Bowl letting Russ cook, that they have to play defense and run the ball. That's the DNA of the Seahawks being a winning team. By the way, I don't want to get too far afield, but I just saw a analytics tweet today of the all the Super Bowl winners of the last decade. I think it was okay. the last decade. Yep. Maybe it was 15 years, but it was at least the last 10 years. And almost all of them were exceptional in pass defense and passing the ball. Like, if you want to win the Super Bowl, I think it was the Super Bowl winners. If you want to win the Super Bowl, no, it was both. It was make the Super Bowl. If you want to make the Super Bowl, you you have to be good at defending the pass and you better be good at passing the ball. So that age-old axiom that, oh, you better stop the run and run the ball? No, according to the chart you saw. In terms of making the Super Bowl, yes, it's the opposite because the Bengals actually have the wor- one of the worst passing offenses, or worst, and it has to do with analytics and it has to do with okay. you know expected yards per play, all that stuff. You know, it's not straight numbers, which everybody's going like, well, you know, but so, but yeah, it, it's. Let me see if I can find that real quick while you guys are chatting. Yeah, well, look. He, by the way. Um, the NFL account tweeted out that uh, Joe Burrow's Bengals are in the Super Bowl one year after winning four games. Was their reversal as dramatic as the 1981 49ers 
Hello, who was the person last week in Cardinals Underground who cited the 81-49ers as the comp to Joe Burrow's Bengals and what the Niners did from two years earlier winning two games and then with Joe Montana in his third year. So, Well, it's been a long week for me, but by the passion, yeah. I'm going to guess it was you, Paul. Yeah, yeah so I'm just going to throw I, that I, out there. I was going to say maybe me, <laughs> but I, was, gonna, I think he pretty much thought yeah. it was himself. So. It, was, it, was the t- it was the last 12 Super Bowls um, – you know, the way the chart sets up, you have to be really good at defending the pass and really good at a passing offense. There's been a couple the, – the Broncos in 2015 were really great at defending the pass, not very good at uh, passing the ball, and they actually won. Uh, and then there have, been, there have been a couple teams that were really great at passing the ball and actually not great in terms of pass defense, the Giants – in 2011 and the Patriots in 2011 actually but the vast majority of the teams mm. creep up in that quadrant where they're good at both and, and that includes the Seahawks which is why it came up was because the analytics guy is based in Seattle and everybody's always saying what Richard Sherman said which was you got to run the ball and you got to play defense and it's no nah, you, you don't if you can't pass well, the ball you're not making the Super Bowl and to expand on that, somebody took those comments from Richard Sherman and did the math. And when the Seahawks were at their best, yes, they had the Legion of Boom. They had the best defense in the NFL, the best NFL scoring defense in the league. There's no doubt about that. But Russell Wilson wasn't throwing it nearly as much. Yes. His pass attempts were like 10 Way less low. per game yes. versus the last few and years. And again, that's why you have to do the analytics because it has to do with what you're doing when you pass it, not necessarily how often you're passing right. it. And so maybe Richard Sherman's point could be, okay, if you're going to be a passing offense, well, then guess what? Russell Wilson isn't your quarterback. That could be his point. Maybe. That you need someone like a Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady to actually execute I always thought that Russell sort of Wilson offense. was pretty damn good. Me too. And so and, – and, and I agree, Dave Passion, I got into this one. I'm like, Dave, what are you talking about? A few years ago, we debated whether he was going to stay in Seattle or not. You know, a couple of years ago, they entertained trading him to Cleveland. And last year, there were trade talks with the Chicago Bears, if you believe the report. So let's not treat it like it's heresy up in Seattle to talk trading Russell Wilson because it has happened, the discussion thereof, by the decision makers. Now, do I expect him to be traded? No. But if Team Russ is making it difficult behind the scenes. See, I disagree with that. That I, I think the only way they trade him is because they decide – We've gone as far. They agree with Russ or with uh, Rich Richard Sherman, Sherman, which is you've gone as far as you can with Russell Wilson and you can't anymore. I abs- if they think that Russell Wilson can still win them games and Team Russ is giving them problems behind the scenes, I think that's a tough tiddlywinks, just like Aaron Rodgers. I think the Packers kept Aaron Rodgers because he's going to win you games. I mean, I don't think anybody has given any team more grief over the last little bit than Aaron Rodgers right. did to the Packers last year, and they didn't trade him. And he's, again, not going anywhere, just like Kyler's not going anywhere. Just like, you know, n- none of these quarterbacks are going anywhere if, unless the team really feels like they've got they've got to get out of the whatever situation. And I just don't think a guy complaining a bunch is going to be that that guy. I'm not going to disagree with Aaron Rodgers being uh, high maintenance the last couple of years with the Packers, but could I also add that it was self-inflicted by the Packers and their GM by selecting a quarterback in the first round, trading up to select Jordan Love when they were on the verge of winning a Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers, all he asked for was another weapon or maybe another offensive lineman, and they went and took his replacement in the draft. That well, You know what? That blew back in their face. I, I, I'm okay with that up to the point where Aaron Rodgers sure didn't have any problem – you know, replacing Brett Favre. I mean, again, that's what this organization did. That's how Aaron Rodgers got there in the first place. He replaced, he was replacing a legend 
And that's so. And you ask the Steelers if if they think it was a good idea to not mess with Ben Roethlisberger and just let him play out without any kind of succession plan. That's that you think that's going to be a bigger problem. By the way, my my hot take of this edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Just like Brett Favre retired and then ended up playing three more years yes. with the Jets and then the Vikings, I think Tom Brady's coming back. It'll just be with the 49ers, and it'll be in this division. That, that, what? That's, that's my hot I'll, I'll take. This season? He's waiting to see if the 49ers give him a call after this season and whether he might go back and be the quarterback. Uh, the so team he'll he grew sit up out a loving year, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Oh, it won't be this this won't be this year. Let the, he's already talking about it on his podcast for Pete's sake. And then and he's then already back. Forty Niners give a draft pick to the Buccaneers. Isn't doesn't his contract expire after this year? Not with the you, Bucks. If you retire, I well maybe it does. Maybe if you retire, I guess the contract wouldn't yeah. necessarily toll. That's what makes it a hot take. I didn't totally research it. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> By the way. Is that uh, what a hot take is? Sure. Let's write this down Come so on. that in a year and a yeah. half we can you know. know whether or not to give credit <laughs> or flack to Paul. That's right. That's right. And then hopefully by that time, Kyle will be wrong as well in the J.J. Watt. And uh, <laughs> we just have to buy ourselves another half season. That's uh, that's where we're going. By the way, I can also say if the Rams lose this Super Bowl, it's the four-letter F word, fail. That thousand percent. Oh, yeah. We didn't really talk about whether the Rams are long-term, did we? No, and, and, and so – they, the, the near term is, do they win Super Bowl 56? And I'm saying, if they don't, guess what? This season is a fail because this franchise knows all too well about losing Super Bowls. They're already one and three in Super Bowls. And they Sean McVay's in. been there and done that in 18. So, I mean, to me, this is win or bust for the Rams. There's no glory in making the Super Bowl. Sure, they made a lot of money in their own stadium, I'm guessing, okay, and they helped pay, pay down the mortgage on that six-plus billion-dollar stadium. But to me, it's all or nothing right I now mean, if you're the Rams. You went all in on the veterans and all these pieces you bought in. And in asking about long-term, I don't know off the top of my head how many of those deals with OBJ or Von Miller, like Aaron Donald, how much longer are they? Well, Beckham and, and, and Miller are both free agents. Yeah, so so I don't even know realistically how could that be how how they'll be long term. Are they all going to be willing to stay and be able to afford all that? I don't know the answer to that, they, but I definitely think this is you have to win this Super Bowl. Everything you've put in to get Matthew Stafford and all these big pieces on both sides of the ball, you have to go and win. See, I I have a different view of. Obviously, you want to win. Obviously, it's a massive disappointment to get this far and you don't win. We've been through that, uh, but. I don't – I mean, they're there. It means something to get there. Like, I am one of those people that says it means something that the Bills made four Super Bowls, and it wasn't a waste, even though they didn't win any of them. Obviously, it's 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 hard if you're a Bills fan to think about those times. I'm sure if you were a player on those teams, it's really hard to think about those times. I know the one Super Bowl the Cardinals made, those players still very much regret not winning that game. And so, yes, that part of it's there. But is it is it a massive failure? I mean, for me, you got there. You built the team to get there. Yeah, you built the team to win. You want to win. But you built the team to get there. Anything can happen on win one game. I mean, this isn't a series. This is yeah, one game. But if this is a team and a coach who has found their way there multiple times, you need to be able to show that you can capitalize. And I think all the moves they made to get these veterans and these pieces says, okay, let's see if we can actually do it. I, I don't disagree. But again, and I, I'm just going because it's the easiest, easiest 
parallel here. I don't think Marv Levy is any less of a coach because he went 0-4 in those Super Bowls. I don't think Jim Kelly is a, it shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he lost those four Super Bowls. So I don't you're not wrong they they that you want to win i don't i don't i'm not putting a big l on their head i think sean mcveigh is still a damn good coach whether they win or lose on sunday yeah look getting to a super bowl as he's saying goes it's not nothing i i I get it yeah but i guess i would say this rams team from the outside looking in appears to be much different than that bills team in that that bills team was set up to go to four straight super Bowls. well it was before free agency so Every team that was good was set up to be more successful long-term. I'm just saying the rules of the game then, the rules of the game then were such that they were a long-term successful franchise. I don't think anybody looks at the Rams and think they have that sort of staying power. Maybe not, but I'm going to argue this right now, given everything. And I know you can argue the other side because of youth and things like that. I would argue strongly that there is a better chance the Rams are in the Super Bowl next year than the Bengals. So, really, who's under more pressure to win this year? Well, if you look at the NFC and you say Tom Brady, out. If you think Aaron Rodgers is going maybe to Denver, you know, if you're going to look at the conferences and the overall conference strength, I might be apt to agree with you on that. There is also this stat, which I couldn't believe. The team that got the most snaps this season out of players on rookie contracts, the Los Angeles Rams, believe it or not. For all the big names, for all the draft picks they traded away, they actually got the most snaps out of players on rookie contracts. Some of that was out of necessity, especially recently. They've been decimated by injuries, in particular in their secondary. You know, With the exception of the minivan driver, Eric Weddle, there's been a lot of youth uh, in that secondary. There's no doubt about it. But I know that they give up a lot of those first you know, couple round picks, but I don't remember the stat off the top of my head now. But I remember seeing about the Rams, like they still have had over the last couple of years yes. significant amount of draft picks. Like yes. they're just doing more back end deals yeah. and they're either really good at evaluating talent or they're really good at helping those young players grow into what they want them to be in their system and, and helping them evolve also, and they're paying dividends. Also, when you have enough stars at other places, maybe your other pieces don't have to be quite as good. Or you don't need to rely on so many rookies at once because you know because you have so many star but players. But you got in you've got positions. Cooper Cup who's gonna who's still playing on a rookie contract and he's arguably right now the best receiver in the Is league. Is he still? Pretty sure. Hmm. I guess I, I didn't realize he was that young. I don't think Cooper Cup's been around. I'm gonna. I'm pretty sure he's still on his rookie contract. But. I mean, just talking about the division, getting back to Russell Wilson. You know, if I'm Team Russ, my gripe. But John Schneider is just the draft record, the track record of poor draft. <laughs> I mean, over the course of his career, they killed I it. I mean, they absolutely killed it in 11, 12, and 13 and haven't done anything for basically the last decade. He's so. a, He got drafted in 2017, so he is not on his rookie contract. I apologize, Cooper Cup. <laughs> what, what about? <laughs> but he's probably not getting paid as much as he should be getting given what he does. Can I say this, that the whole thing about the Rams having this competitive advantage because they have the home field advantage, the fact they've been able to work out at their facility this week and sleep in their own bed and they're going to stay at the regular team hotel the night before the game, to me that's not nearly as big an advantage as the experience advantage that the Rams have from 2018. Aren't the Rams technically the away team? Isn't it the yes. year AFC yeah, is yeah. home team? But, I mean, just – like, for example, Sean McVay has gone on the record and he said, you know, when he looks back at 2018 in that Super Bowl, 
in his play call, and he said what he regrets is it was paralysis by overanalysis. Just too much thought went into it. And so they learned a few hard lessons in 2018 in that loss to the Patriots in that Super Bowl. So, which, if you want to go full circle and for a Cardinals connection, maybe the key to this Super Bowl is, is Drew Stanton. Because what Drew Stanton said on the Red Sea Report is that he took Tom Brady's Super Bowl playbook in terms of how to prepare for those two weeks and how to handle the schedule and what to do when. And he said he took that document after winning a ring with Tom Brady and B.A. Uh, in 2020, and he sent that to Matthew. So he's on a first-name basis with Matthew Stafford, Got his it. former teammate in the Lions. So there's that little tidbit in Cardinals connection on that. But I keep – but speaking of B.A., see, when I see the Rams, I think of the all or nothing. I think of B.A. in front of the team to start the season in training camp saying, this isn't about a Super Bowl. This is about a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. And that, to me, is the L.A. Rams this year. I Agreed. But I don't. I don't see how they're any different than the Bengals. Okay. In terms of that, but you, you, you get you. It's so rare that you get there. You know that. Right to some degree, it's a must-win. Right. Yeah, I get that. By the way, seventy-seven-year-old uh, Al Michaels will be calling his eleventh Super Bowl. You guys know that it's eight miles from his home in L.A. Just in case you guys were wondering, so he just makes the short drive over. He calls the game. I know you're on a first name basis. Here's you. no, I'm going to go a little deeper. Uh, that's Wolf. You know, Wolf and him, they're they're text buddies with uh, Al Michaels. I don't know if he still has the flip phone or not, but he did as of uh, you know last Cardinals prominence, which I bring up because the this is the third time that Al Michaels has not called a game of one of the participants before they got to the Super Bowl. The Bengals were such a long shot to get to the Super Bowl this season. They were never featured in prime time. Al Michaels never called one of their games this year. Well, featured on Sunday Night Football. Sunday Night Football. And so they say this is the third time that has ever happened sort of in the modern era. One of the other times that didn't happen, the Cardinals, 2008 who did not make a Sunday night football appearance because Al Michaels has been calling Sunday night football since like 06. Yes. So. Although they got John Madden's last game, Cardinals. True. Yeah. So Just thought I'd throw yeah. that out there. So there you go uh, on that. I know problem. you're impressed, Danny. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm always impressed by you, Darren. <laughs> so, you know, Danny, when things start to wane here, we need like a Vegas story. You know, what's going on? You know, there's nothing you can tell us. There was nothing because Darren is, he won't admit it. He's into the salacious. He's into the sensational. I mean, we, nothing. There's no little tidbit you can share. You know what's funny? And I hope this isn't considered throwing James Conner under the bus. But oh. something that we did was uh, Q on our social team brought a bunch of disposable cameras. So he gave them to the players at practice and he's going to you know, have them developed. And so the first day of practice, James Conner, he's getting mic'd up. I just done my interview with him and Q's explaining this all to him and he hands him the camera and he looks at us and he goes, how do I use this? <laughs> you, I'm only like a year or two older yeah. than whatever. Those are the cameras like I grew up bringing like to summer camp and all that. We were like, you just scroll and click and scroll and click. It's funny because I thought on the one of the videos I saw Buddha with one of those and I'm like, why does Buddha have yes. a disposable camera? <laughs> that explains it. I'm like, I can't believe a player would have a disposable camera these days. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, for those listening, go go check out the content. We got a lot of one-on-one interviews, which was fun. DJ Humphreys was a blast in his interview talking about he was spending time golfing. And I asked him, I said, are you a golfer? And he was like, 
no, but I dress really well, and confidence is not my issue. And I'm like, right. clearly, I can yes. tell confidence is not yeah. what you are lacking, DJ. And and we had a GoPro on him one practice, and he was he was so funny in that. And he was talking to George Kittle because he was wearing a GoPro, and they were talking to each other there. And you know, DJ at one point he was like, I feel like a little kid. I've lost all my friends because like the other Cardinals weren't stretching with him. It was just <laughs> it was fun commentary. It was fun being out there with the. Our group from our department, the players that were out there watching them interact with fans, saw a bunch of Cardinals fans. This is crazy. There was a fan, and it was the first day of practice, so Thursday. And it was an older man, and he had a kid with him. And he had Buddha sign his left hand. And he comes to practice the next day. We see him again. And he had already had that autograph tattooed. Oh, on no. his hand. Are you serious? So then come Saturday when we're walking around with the players after the last practice, he gets Kyler Murray to sign his other hand and James Connor to sign his forearm to get those tattooed as well. <laughs> uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> that is some commitment. Yeah. Red yeah. Sea commitment right there. Yeah. I, I know this is shocking probably to everyone, especially in the studio, that uh, I, I do not uh, rock a tattoo of any sort. But, man, to make a life-changing decision like that instantly off a, um, I mean, okay. All right. Much respect <laughs> on that one. That's, uh, you know, interesting. That's uh, okay. Yes. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know, just to. You know, just to go ahead and illustrate, you know, that not all the social media drama has to do with big name quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I was, I am curious. I will say, you know, I, I thought we featured Darren Urban pretty well last week in a tweet on Cardinals Underground, but it didn't get any love oh, from Darren on that one either. You I know, we forgot about that. we featured his analysis on a terrible. tweet last week, but it got no love whatsoever. So you I know, like how Paul like, you know, waited to like drop that on me on the air i'm like oh man i thought maybe we bring it full circle you know the whole social media drama you know more ways than one around here yeah so there you go yeah air five over there oh now i feel horrible (laughs) as we let that linger for darren urban here and call it a podcast cardinals underground brought to you by pacific office automation hashtag ouch